I'm Morgan Tioka. This is the Challenge Her Podcast. This is the Challenge Her Podcast. Hey team, it's Morgan Tioka here, the host of the Challenge Her Podcast. I'm here with a really wonderful friend of mine, Kiri Lingman. Hello, <laughs> thank you for having me. Kiri uh, has uh, Kiri and I played together in the Griffith Aon Sevens team this year and then also for Easts the last two years and we have had some really good sort of side chats about um, some of the things we enjoy and I guess it's all around sort of young youth empowerment um, and women in sport and um, Kiri's actually doing a current honours. Can you explain your degree? Yeah, so um, the degree is, it's an arts degree um, because it's the schools are kind of melded into one. Yeah. Basically, it's a part of the School of Humanities and Sociology. Um, from then you choose your own thesis and you work on it. In my case, I'm doing it part-time, so I have two years to work on it. Uh, you come up with your research, your research question. I am lucky enough, I've got two really great supervisors. You go out and you find those supervisors and oh, right. uh, you... Yeah, you undertake this study for two years and, and everything that's included in it. So what like what made you even think of doing something like that? Like it's I've always loved education, higher education. Uh, I knew as soon as I left high school I wanted to go to university. I think I did my first degree in urban and environmental planning. That one, I, I did love it, but it definitely wasn't me. I think that one was a classic case of being in high school and feeling pressured with what you need to do for the rest of your life. Yep. And that just happened to be the kind of the road that I was heading down at the time. After that degree, I finished it. Uh, and then I had a year off where I just played rugby and I I had some time to kind of find myself a bit more what, I, what it was that I liked. And I really was interested in the, the media side of sport. Uh, so I went back to university the next year and did a degree in public relations and communications. And like with everything, you kind of evolve along the way. And, and doing that second degree, I, I found more of a pathway of what I liked. And I think for me, it's really being passionate about the subjects that I'm involved in. Uh, so when I got to the end of that degree, I wanted to lecture. I want to be a lecturer at university. So I sat down with uh, one of my professors at the time and I said, what's the pathway that I have to take to, to do that, to go to get there? And she kind of mapped it out for me, mapped out that you, you know, you have to do your honours, you have to do your PhD and uh, begin your research along the way. And, and that kind of leads down the pathway of lecturing at university. So I think... Um, yeah, that was the the starting stone for why I wanted to, to do my honours. And then, uh, like I said, as everything evolves, I've really just found such a passion in, in this research project and learning all about it. And on the side of that, you were also playing rugby. Because um, you, I don't really know, I guess, sort of the process of where you came from in rugby. I just knew it was you know rugby this year and last year mm. so I guess I also want them to sort of gain a bit of an understanding of how you sort of had those uh, successes prior to doing your honours so what um, I guess levels of rugby have you played? Mm. I growing up I always played netball all through high school netball was just my be all and end all sport it, I was obsessed with it every other every team I could trial for or make I that's what I wanted to do and 
I got to the end of high school. I was still playing netball. I played netball for about two or three years after high school. And I, I don't know what it was. I, I always just say I, I've, I've always been this, this kind of person where I get these ideas in my head. And once they're in there, I cannot get them out. And I have to do what it takes to complete it. Yeah. And somewhere along the way, I think, to be honest, I was really inspired after the announcement of the Sevens being in the Olympics. And my mum had played rugby and she always had all these incredible stories of all these people that she met and going around the world. And I just got to this point where it just it popped into my head. I was like, I've got to play rugby. I've got to do it. Um, I literally just walked down to the closest club at the time, which was Sunnybank, um, said, hey, never played before. <laughs> How <laughs> good. <laughs> Pass me the ball. And that's just where it took off from there. And from the second I started playing, I was pretty shocking it was so bad <laughs> my mummy's mum and dad used to come down and watch and they were like oh god what are you doing and then um after a while I was like nah I'm I've, I've got to do this I'm determined I, I wanted to be in those rep teams I wanted to wear a Reds jersey I wanted to wear a Wallaroos jersey yeah um so I just I think it was about two three years of just knuckling down and trying so hard to really perfect uh, myself in a certain position um so I think after about three or four years of playing um, I was on to my second year of nationals with the Reds mm-hmm. um, and I was lucky enough to get uh, my first call up into the Wallaroos and yeah. How good and that was purely like like you were just saying purely like hard work I sort of created a bit of a foundation for you. Yeah yeah I think um, once I'd been around and I'd, I'd, I'd seen these incredible players on the field I just I wanted to do that I wanted to be able to run a ball like that to be able to pass a ball like that and while I had so much help in between so many people so many coaches and and honestly sometimes like a little bit of luck you know running into someone who a coach who genuinely believes in you maybe when other people don't um it's the luck aspect of it but yeah, I, w- I was just so determined and I think at that point in time I was really energised. Like I got up every day and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to train. I wanted to get better. Yeah, that's awesome. And so then transitioning into netball now, mm. back back again, just for something different. Yeah, I, you know, I'd, I'd been on, I think I did about three, four years with Wallaroos and Uh, I kind of, I definitely felt the exhaustion starting to kick in. Uh, I'd been trying to maintain this this level of an athlete as well as trying to work, squeezing full-time hours, as well as trying to finish my second year degree and study. Um, And it was definitely taking its toll and I felt, I knew it was time to probably take a step back when I was driving to training one day and literally I was like, what's an excuse I can make that I, that I don't have to go? Like, should I just say my car's broken down? Like, do I say like my family member needs me? And that's, and that after that training, I was like, okay, something's, something's got to change. Yep. That this is, it's, it's become a chore. Mm. I'm not passionate about it. I'm, I'm upset to be going to training. I'm angry that I have to drive to training after work. And yeah, I just, I lost um, my drive yep. for what I was doing. And obviously everything happened with COVID. COVID yes. massively kicked in. And basically I just saw almost this sport just crumble to pieces in the space of a few weeks. Yep. And I said to myself, well, I, f- I feel like this is your opportunity. This is a sign to just take a step back, think about what you want to do 
Um, and for me, the biggest thing was just trying to find fun in sport again because yeah. all this pressure had mounted about who I was as an athlete, what I was doing, what I wasn't doing, pressure from Wallaroo's coaches, the squad, you know, am I big enough, am I fast enough, am I strong enough? And it, it, it just lived inside of my head every single day. Yep. Uh, and so I decided um, that this year that I was just going to do something that I enjoyed and I always loved netball it just something else took me on another path and I was lucky enough that a a coach was happy to take me in a team and I had a really great time this year so that's awesome and I think also like a clear well what's going on in my head right now is just the thought of so many girls and the more I read and the more I'm talking to you and I've spoken to Digi also previously but um, I worry for our current sort of generation and the young girls coming through because they constantly glue their identity to what they're good at. Mm, yeah. And that's scary Yeah, for us. And that's what I, I actually really struggled with is that I, I felt like rugby was who I was. You know, I would, I would go somewhere new and I would meet new people and someone would be, oh, this is Kiri, she plays rugby for Australia. And, and everyone, well, the reaction was, oh, that's so cool. Like, what do you do? What's it like? Blah, blah, blah. And I remember thinking I was so scared to lose that because I was like, well, what if I, people meet me and I'm not interesting? I'm just me. Like, what if yeah. I don't play rugby? <laughs> what, what do I... They don't like me. Yeah, what, that's my appeal, you know. People think it's so great and, and I was so afraid and I'd, I'd realised that I'd completely ingrained myself into that as my identity that I really really struggled when I told myself that you're not passionate about this you're just doing this because you're afraid of who you are if you don't have it yeah and you notice the I guess the shift in some of those girls who you see get those big injuries Mm. you know the the mental uh, resilience they somehow need to have which they don't and you know like they struggle big Mm. time like years of just like trying to fight back to be that person that they were instead of understanding that that's not who you are that's something you're good at which is amazing Mm. but it's like we need to be able to somehow find these lessons where we can teach these young girls to go you're amazingly confident hard-working kind person and that's who you are Mm. based on your values not this amazing rugby player that's something you're good at and that's so good but that's not who you are and so if you lose that tomorrow it's going to be tough but you're still going to be okay yeah and I worry like for those girls this day and age because I see them I see in their actions and their behaviors how much they are in just like dire to prove themselves just for something they're good at and I think I, I had a really good understanding of that from an early age that sporting careers or just your elite sports life in general is really fleeting and the thing that saved me or just got me through at that point in time was I had such a big grasp in my university life and higher education and stepping into that I, I found... Um, almost value or I found success and I found another pathway that I could put myself into and that you know said to me I'm like I'm not always going to have sport but there are so many other things in this world that you can be incredible at and you can pursue sport is like you said it's amazing and it is amazing when people are amazing at it but also having a really keen understanding that there is always going to be something else in your life that if you are determined enough, 
you're going to achieve and you're going to love it too and it is going to bring you fulfillment as well. Definitely. Did you find that your university degree sort of, I guess, um, like what were some of the things in your university degree that sort of helped you manage that or like some of the information you learnt about and you were like, oh man, that that just gives me a lot more self-awareness of um, that sort of balance. Mm. For me, even right at this very moment, it is philosophy. Philosophy, the understanding of, you know, epistemology is, is uh, how we know things and ontology, the reality of our world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would kind of fall into like a bit of a wormhole in, in reading. Um, and like you said, with the books that you read, you just, it blows your mind about how much is out there. And for me, philosophy... Definitely you know, stems back hundreds of years ago and, and it is about, it, it encompasses everything that we know and how we perceive the world and, and the reality that we live in. And it's almost like, it's like a mind-blown kind of moment. And for me, it's, it's, it's really grounding in a way because it just, it opens you up to, to stop thinking that you're just the absolute centre of the universe, which, you know, at the end of the day, you are at the centre of your universe because you don't know what anyone else is thinking. Totally. But from from doing these readings and from just exploring and, and listening to all these incredible minds that have come before, it just it gives you such a broad perspective of the world. And for me, that was kind of almost like a re- reality check to say, you know, so much has happened before you and so much is going to happen after you. Mm. And that is the reality of the world. And you need to do the best of the time that you have here. Yeah, I agree with you so much. And the more I'm learning, the more I'm like, oh, my goodness, I know nothing. Mm. Like the more I read uh, and the more different theories of these researchers talk about human connection and relationships and um, the way we were sort of brought into this world and the whole hunter-gatherer and being separated from the pack and all that sort of information. Um, And then it sort of stems through to physical health and loneliness and why we are slowly deteriorating uh, in our society because Mm. of our, our societal norms are so far, like, there's just a huge gap from what we should be focusing on yeah. and what our world currently looks like. Yeah. And I think your um, your thesis currently or your honours degree, um, what were some of the, I guess, the key things that were making you, like that are blowing your mind at the moment that are making you go, you know what, wow, like perspective is just making me look at this world completely differently to the way I used to. Mm. So the, the biggest one is, so my, my thesis is essentially going to be about the the challenges that women have faced in elite women's rugby and kind of the attitudes behind it and, and I you know that asking those questions but why are we treated the way that we're treated why do we think the way that we think ourselves and how people perceive us as female athletes like they I just and that's what higher education forces you to do it forces you to think critically about almost everything sometimes it gets really bad to the point where <laughs> you can't do normal things yeah. without wondering what great minds have written about it um but yeah I I I have been questioning you know my own simple experiences and my time in rugby and and thinking to myself well why is that this way why did they speak to me this way why are we treated this way um so I I came to the decision that that was what I was going to do my study on and I I spoke to my supervisors about it and they're both experts in the field of feminism 
Uh, so they put me on the right track of, of what I should be looking at and the types of things I should be reading. And I think the shift from what I had in my head originally about how this was going to happen has almost backflipped. <laughs> and the biggest thing that I've realised I've known so little about is feminism. And it is a word used so often these days because equality is a really huge thing that's happening in the world at the moment. And I think everyone has their own individual idea of what feminism is, but there's a real lack of understanding about the historical and theoretical aspect of it. And the biggest thing that blew my mind when I was reading and I was learning about this is that the foundations of feminism were actually created by privileged white men. So this, and, and you know, I was sitting there and, and I was reading this and I was like, this can't be right. And I was like, this is, so I was like, can you, can we just go back <laughs> one second? So you're telling me the only discipline that we have as females to, you know, ensure our equality or to discover ourselves as women in this world is founded by white men. And that to me, I, I just, I couldn't believe it. And it basically it was. And, you know, there's so many years and years and years of this and it wasn't until they got so far down the track where they were like, well, actually, just so you know, this is all completely wrong. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, not amazing, but that's blowing my mind right now and it sort of makes me really wild at the mm. same time because it is a word, I feel like it's a word that, if you like you said, if you don't know a lot about it, um, I feel like you shouldn't be allowed to use it because, mm. you know, people use it as a real like power to the women and how dare you and it's like this, um, it's like armour or like, mm. you know, I can fire it at men when I believe it's acceptable for me. Yeah, and I think that's over the course of the world over the years that this term, this discipline has taken on so many different uh, meanings and representation that a lot of it has all gotten lost in in potentially what the whole idea of it is supposed to be um, and, and and even I don't know the clear idea of it because it, it is such a broad subject there are so many different avenues and so many different you know parts of history that it it has to do with but um what I've found at the moment is that it, it has been such a focus and which I find quite weird that it wasn't a focus before but I think it's just how it, how it was back then but the biggest focus now I think in feminism and, and doing these theories is about the female body. Mm. And in relation to rugby I mean if that that's sort of the road you're going down what is your current opinion on women in rugby in Australia not so much like the corporations themselves but like you know the the lessons or the current sort of behaviors and actions that are forcing us to go down a certain road because when I look um you know when you impartially sort of look at all of the sports and women in sport at the moment like rugby's behind yeah and losing people Mm. significantly Uh, and obviously because there is that deterioration in uh, equity of just opportunity first before we even look at equality mm. you know and so we're losing people but like what's your opinions towards that because that's what I see I just see people are leaving and they're leaving quickly and yeah. if something doesn't change the the game for women is just it's just going to be a small pot of girls who are either making it or they're moving on yeah 100% I completely agree I think 
to be honest, I think this is how it has gone for a really, really long time. I think the difference now is that they have competing sports that aren't doing what they're doing. They're doing more and they're doing it quickly. And that's where you, they're starting to... where it's This is where it's starting to be more noticeable because you have AFL, you have NRL and they're expanding and they're throwing money into it and they're throwing exposure and they're throwing better competitions, better sponsors, more talent, more games, better TV coverage. And it's kind of that idea where I just feel like with rugby, if you're not willing to put into it, you're going to lose out because these other sports are willing to put into it. And that's not to say, you know, I've... I've definitely seen the news about the NRLW and the issues that they're facing in themselves. All of these sports are always going to face issues as female-dominated sports. But I, I just it breaks my heart to see Rugby Union, who I think was at one point in time the absolute pinnacle because they had the international appeal. You had the Aussie Sevens who just won a gold medal. You had the World Cup, which had amazing talent. You had teams like the Eng- England and the Black Ferns and USA, and you had this incredible game which was known all around the world, and you had such a great model. Like every single little girl that I knew was throwing themselves into Aussie Sevens because they wanted to be the next Charlotte. They wanted to be the next Varney. And over the course from, you know, almost one Olympics to another, it's – where is that all gone? We've almost – it's lost. It's – you know, I I feel like it wasn't taken enough and run with Mm. because it's it's gotten difficult. And obviously with COVID, that's just the the absolute pinnacle of it being difficult. But I still think that – there were still so many opportunities for them to say, no, 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 like we value this, we value these women's, this is an asset. And I think for me, what I felt like with, with COVID is that organisations, sporting and not, just went into asset protection mode. Definitely. Because, you know, that's what you had to do in, the, in a pandemic to survive. And I, f- I felt like it, it showed that what was an asset and what wasn't an asset. Definitely. It was sort of like the last thing they gave was the first to be taken. Yeah. And so even though we were at that point where we've sort of proven ourselves as women in sport, you're right, straight away it's like, okay, what are the things that aren't making us revenue, what Mm. aren't profitable, see you later. Yeah. Not looking at like that whole perspective of, you know, in 10 years' time, you know, the fact that AFL, and I was um, listening to a TED talk the other day, but AFL for women is like one of the most high participated sports currently um, down in Victoria at, for males and females, mm. you know, and you look at rugby and they had the Olympics and it was right there and it was everyone wanted to be those girls yeah. and they just haven't been able to run with it. Yeah. Um, so I totally agree. In relation to all of that though, how I guess you, you were ingrained in sort of rugby for such a long period of time. How did you sort of manage that sort of, you know, that feeling of you sort of, we sort of know, I think when you have a bit of perspective that we're not, it's not that we um, aren't being given certain things at times. Like we understand that, you know, the men's game was there once upon a time, 50 years ago or whatever, that, you know, they, they had full-time jobs and they were also playing footy and we get that. Mm. But at the same time, it's also like, when does that end when, the sacrifices are exactly the same. Yeah, yeah. 
And I, yeah, yeah I just was sort of wanted to know, like, how did you sort of handle that um, going through the system? Mm. Do you know, this is, this is actually another really interesting thing. And, and I did, I talked about this on another podcast because they asked me a really similar question. And I think this is also why it's so hard to keep that momentum going where you have girls just fighting for it. And the reality is when I was that age and I was first, when I first made Wallaroos, I thought it was the greatest thing ever. There was nothing about it where I was really asking too many questions. Yeah. I was just so excited to be there. I was like, oh, God, I've made it. Yeah. Like, this is it. Yeah, exactly. Like, this is the best. I'm on tour. I just got an ASICS bag kit full of kit. <laughs> I was like, this is the Free great. Gatorade? <laughs> <laughs> is this food for yeah. me? <laughs> like, I just, I was so excited and I was so happy and I I didn't question it and I didn't want to question it because I was this that to me was the pinnacle and that's another case of not having enough knowledge as a young girl to say do you know what this is great but this is still not at the level that it should be and that's also a really hard thing because the question that she actually asked was like how do you you know how do you get all these girls to rally behind this and you know and and talked influenced those young girls and I was like it is really hard because they're just so they're excited to be there and I see young girls you know when we're at Griffith and they're so happy to be at training and definitely they were me a few years ago they're energized they're just so stoked to be pulling on a jersey and getting on that field and you know I don't want to be the the older person that comes along and says (laughs) you know take your jersey off you should be fighting for equality because it's it's also ruining what their, their love for the sport and, what, and how I felt about it at the start. So to me, that's a really, it's a really hard one. And, and I said, I think the answer for that is that they're just going to find it along their own journey and they're going to get to a point where they've matured and they, they realise and they understand what they deserve in themselves. Um, and, you know, and I, I hope that does happen to young girls, but I still want them to love the game and I still am so excited and happy to see them take the field and just love the game for the love of the game. Definitely. Which, you know, at the end of the day, it, it should be the case for everyone, but there has to be some give and take for when you're asking these girls, when you're asking them to stand in front of a camera, when you're asking them to go out of the field and smash each other and put in this training and be professionals and be athletes, that you've got to meet them at the table and that you've got to give them every opportunity to be what you're asking them to be. Yeah, and it shouldn't be a dogfight. Mm. It shouldn't It shouldn't have to be that way. It should be like, okay, we're growing, participation's rising. All right, where do we see the game going? Mm. Let's put forward what the, you know, the current women who are in the sport, what are their current suggestions? Let's move forward from that. But I just feel like there's just this complete gap of those questions aren't even being asked or if they are being asked where's the action behind the questions and the answers yeah you know because I haven't been in the game very long but I can 100% see the fact that we are not where we should be Mm. uh, as a sport and I, I I wouldn't be so defensive and so you know, such an advocate for this if I, I didn't see the proof and what these girls are doing. But I see people turning up to games. I see them turning on the TV. I see them sharing these athletes on social media, you know, idolised by little girls, you know, the, the biggest ratings on, on grand final games and state of origin games and Olympics and the World Cups. There is such a product 
that is there for the public and for the world to see. So, you know, I think in a, in a way it's justified, you know, the, the us kicking up a stink all the time is justified yep. because you have these females who are just the most incredible athletes in the entire world and they deserve to be shown that way, the way, same way that men are. Definitely. And sort of going, I guess my head's sort of going from elite athletes and women in rugby to it's just sort of moved to the way we are perceived as athletes. Mm. And you've done a lot of research around sort of um, body image and the way we are perceived as women and athletes. And, you know, the more I learn, the more I'm realising I shouldn't need to show off who I am based on my appearance. Mm. I should be able to be a kind, courageous um, generous, empathetic person and the world should be able to love me for who I am. And it's purely based on my own thoughts and beliefs and I guess that's one of the hardest things and barriers and challenges I feel like our young women are facing this day and age and unfortunately because the the social media um, has caused us to purely focus on materialistic idealistic appearances it's just causing our girls to go further and further down into our shells to say I'm not worthy Mm. unless I am you know pretty unless I'm skinny unless I'm fit unless I'm athletic unless I look this certain way or I am this it's that I'm not enough shame trigger yeah yeah um but yeah I just want to know like your opinion I guess and what you've learned about body image and how it's affecting us yeah and, and that was another thing when I started to do this research. I had no idea that it would be such a huge part of it. And now that I think about it, I kind of kick myself, is that everything, almost everything that pops up in the theories and uh, the concepts of this research has to do with the body and females' bodies. And, uh, you know, you think to yourself, well, well, of course, because that is the biggest difference between men and women is their bodies. And um, going back to that idea that, um, you know, feminism was ingrained in in privileged white men and how they evaluated females was privileged white men and their ideas and what they thought of that female. So there there were a couple of studies that I read that happened, I would say, I think they were about the, the... the 50s or 60s and they interviewed these women about their bodies and and what they thought and how they perceived themselves because you know they were they were trying to get an understanding um but looking on that research and it wasn't until 20 30 years down the track that those women were answering the questions without realizing that they had been completely influenced by men and by masculinity and all of their answers were a reflection of that privilege. So the study ended up being the basic opposite of what it intended to be. So it intended to be this, you know, quality, finding out about women, finding out about how they feel about themselves, how they view themselves, and all it did was unearth even more of a problem. So you're trying to discover about these females and and how they feel about themselves, but how they feel about themselves has been influenced so heavily by men, by privileged men and masculinity in society, that their answers are reflections of that. 
And that's a really hard thing. And I, I, the biggest thing that for, for young girls that I want them to understand these days is that when they look in the mirror, it is so much more complicated than just saying I'm fat or I'm skinny or I'm, I'm ugly or I'm pretty or I don't like the size of my thighs or I don't like the size of my butt. There is Because we all do it, right? Yeah, 100%. We all do it. There are so many times where I've put on an outfit and I've gone over to the mirror and I've been like, no, not today. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm going to get changed. This Seventh is not outfit. <laughs> yeah. Still haven't gone anywhere. Should have been gone 30 minutes ago. Literally. <laughs> and all that comes from is a really almost intrinsic, ingrained societal concept of myself and how I should look when I'm out in society. And it's, it's almost subliminal. So when a girl looks into a mirror and she doesn't like the way her body is, is it she doesn't like the way her body is or is it the underlying, you know, societal influence that she's been brought up in that is talking to her in the mirror right now? And that's that's the really, really difficult thing is because, you know, how do you you stop what you grow up in? How do you stop supermodels and celebrities being on tv how do you stop these girls with tiny waists and big booties that they bought but that looks like the ideal lifestyle and the ideal body type so you you want it you think that that measures is what people value yeah that measures your value and your success and your quality of happiness so it's a really uh you can get completely lost in that whole idea and you can get completely caught up in in all of it, and unfortunately, you know myself, I don't have the answer to that kind of thing. But yeah, of course, for me, what has has helped me is just being knowledgeable about it. Definitely, you know, I like we said, we still walk into the mirror and look at ourselves and just say, "Oh, like I'm, I'm like my body doesn't. I'm not really feeling great about my body today." But and I, I need to understand or I need to remind myself that I have an understanding that my body has a purpose and then that purpose is my own to know and to discover and that purpose is for me to live and be happy and to carry out in the world. It's totally exactly what you're saying. It's sort of blowing my mind a bit because I'm exactly the same. I still have moments of complete like I want to feel valued by mm. society so I'm going to do X, Y, Z, even though my own knowledge, you know, knowledgeable enough to be very well self-aware yeah. to make good decisions. But I'm still so ingrained in making sure that I fit into this societal or cultural norms mm. that I will do that sometimes. And then you sort of go back because you become knowledgeable of who you are, the type of person you are, the type of values you hold, you, you then start to make yourself feel like you're a you're actually a bad person because yeah. you're like, I'm aware that I'm actually doing it now, mm. so now I feel ten times worse. <laughs> yes. That's kind of, and, and and that's a complexity, isn't it? Yeah. Because the more you learn, the more you're like, Oh my gosh, I shouldn't be doing this. Yeah, I should be better than that. Yeah. Meanwhile I'll go try my next outfit yeah, on. Exactly. And I actually had that issue when I was playing rugby. So it's it's quite funny when I first started playing rugby. My, my, I guess my kind of feedback was that, you know, I, I, I needed to be a little bit leaner. Um, you know, I, could not, I was never told I was overweight, but leaner was kind of the word that was used. And obviously I needed to be fitter. I needed to be a bit stronger. And then 
got to the point where I was in Wallaroos and I'd done all this training and the weight was kind of starting to fall off. Uh, and it got to a point where the coaches were like, you're underweight. You, and this is this is insane that this is me being um, a second row or a back rower mm-hmm. and that's obviously typically a, a bigger person. Yeah. Um, and they were constantly on my case about being underweight and making sure that I was eating more, making sure that I was taking my proteins. I would go to camp and they would be there right after gym, like waving my shaker at me, <laughs> filling it up with creatine, being like, here it is, hurry up, come on. And I'd weigh in and they'd kind of like look at me like disappointed. Yeah, and I, I had them telling me like, you need to eat, you need to eat more, you need to eat more. And I, I, I think at the time I was really defiant in it because I, what I was trying to push in my case was that it wasn't my body weight that was the issue. I, I wholeheartedly feel it was like a, it was a skill set, but that was they thought that the 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 way to fix it was for me to be heavier and for me to be musclier and bigger because they wanted they wanted dominant bull runners yep, that's what powerful. they wanted yeah they wanted me to be more powerful and I kept trying to say well no that's you know yes it does have a little bit to do with my weight but I feel like that has more to do with my strength and my skill set and my tackle technique and my ball running technique and my footwork so it was a constant battle of them you know only having this idea for what they had for their second rowers and their back row, which I'll say I, I wholeheartedly believe was modelled off men, off mm-hmm. the men's team and what our weight range and our height range should be. Yep. And then, um, yeah, and me being really defined about it. And sometimes when I do look back there, there is wholeheartedly aspects of that where I was genuinely afraid to lose my femininity. You know, I, I didn't want to gain weight. I didn't want to be a big, bulky rugby player. Um, which is sad, but that is the reality of the thought process that went through my head because I was so afraid 100%. of how I would be viewed if I was this big giant rugby player. Yes, I, I totally get that. Yeah, and I was like, I don't, I don't want to. Like, I was being so defensive about gaining weight, and I think at that point in time that I, I definitely could have been a bit more aware of my purpose that I had chosen to be in an elite women's rugby squad and that there were certain um, criteria or certain uh, things that I had to do to Mm -hmm. be an elite women's rugby player or to play flank or second row for my country and I wasn't willing to do it because I was so afraid of how how that would make me look. Yes. And that's a really hard thing but that's the reality of my story at that point in time. Do you think knowledge has saved you? Yeah. Like from I go like that they're heavy like that's mm. for me I've never experienced that so listening to you talk about that I'm like that's heavy that you are sort of having to battle gaining weight being stronger not putting on weight not being good enough or not being underweight just because you weren't as powerful as they assumed you were going to be or perceived that you they needed you to be mm. and then sort of coming out of that I guess if you're you know, just like a young 17, 18 year old just leaving school this day and age. I don't know how they could sort of handle that. Yeah. And, and I, I don't think I did handle it very well. And that's the hard thing is that I felt obliged, which I don't know if obliged is the right way because, or the right word, sorry, because, you know, you, it's like, it's like meeting a certain job description in a way. But I think I, as a person at that age, I could have had a better um, understanding of it all and understanding of myself and maybe even, you know, 
maybe even just talking, it, being honest about that aspect aspect of things. But my excuse was that I didn't think that I, f- I felt like my point of difference as a player was my work rate, that I was getting up, I was getting around the field. And I was trying to tell them that if I was heavier, I felt like I would lose that aspect of my game. And that's where the whole defensiveness was coming from, which definitely in a point was true, but it was also really largely to do with how I viewed myself and how I was worried about other people viewing me. And it's the same thing again. It's the same thing of asking young girls to, you know, advocate for equality. It's a really hard concept to tell a young girl that she needs to completely change her body or she shouldn't change her body or she should be eating this or shouldn't be eating that or this is what she needs to look like to be great. It's, it, you know, how do you say that to them and but then also make sure that they're okay? I truly worry about the lack of enjoyment that I see in young girls coming through the system in this day and age. Like you think about when we first started playing or you know, I, any sport, sort of, I grew up playing softball and hockey, but just, it's like I lost it for a certain period of time, but now being older, I just won't do it anymore yeah. unless I enjoy it. Mm. And part of me wishes I could have that type of mindset and go back four or five years and go, you know what, if this is not something I love, because it was more about the relationships and the social connection for me. Yeah. If I walked in and I felt truly valued, loved and cared for, felt like I could be my true self completely work for someone and I knew that they'd have my back I was totally happy in in the space um and now uh you know sort of back end of sport in general I'm definitely much more aware of that but I feel like yeah in from the 20 year old me to you know 26 27 I was just so trying to prove who I wanted to be yeah that I didn't focus on the current moments of trying to make sure I was feeling balanced cared for supported in the space yeah and I you know I I'm the same as you you've you've been around that that scenery for a couple of years and I I get to the stage I've gotten to the stage where I only want to do things that I love and I'm really invested in and doing things that are meaningful and doing things of substance but you sit there and you go, I wish I could have spoken to my younger self. I wish I could have told her all those things. But it's almost like that situation where if if I had have gone back and I could have told myself those things, I wouldn't have walked the journey that I have. Like Definitely. You, we're here now because of those experiences, because of the issues that we face, the things that we found out along the way. So it's, it's one of those really hard things. And, and, you know, who knows? We could back here in 10 years and we could have wished that we told ourselves something yeah, different so definitely. it's almost like that that idea that you've it's you've had that journey and the reason why you are where you are is because of your experiences so yeah that's also a really hard one I think you always wish that you could have given yourself a little bit of advice back yeah then, but that's a good perspective and then sort of looking forward I guess I you know to sort of finish a, us up um what if you could if you could give sort of any Anything, advice, lessons learnt, um, solutions to problems that you have been able to overcome for young women like or women in general because I feel like a lot of our young girls face problems because their mothers didn't know how to deal with those problems as their younger self. So it's sort of that generational societal issues that we're facing. But what would be some of, I guess, the key things that 
maybe are helping you get through or, you know, you think the younger generation coming through would definitely need to focus on to sort of just help them find their way through themselves and finding themselves an identity around women in sport? I think uh, I I answered a similar question to this the other day and uh, I said acknowledging your emotions more. And I said it from an athlete perspective because what I explained was as athletes, you're, you're taught to suppress your physical emotions. As in, when you're doing fitness, when you're on the field and it's hurting and it's hard, when you're under pressure, you have to suppress it. You have to put that away somewhere else and you worry about it later because you've got a job to do, because you've got to play the game, because you've got to get through training. And what I found as a younger person, and I, I wholeheartedly think young girls do this today, is that I wasn't just suppressing my physical emotions in training and in the game, I was also suppressing my emotional emotions. And I wasn't talking about it because I had this preconceived conception that having too many emotions or having too much physical pain was associated with weakness. And I didn't want to feel weak. I wanted to be strong. I wanted to be the supreme athlete. I wanted to work really hard and kill myself in training. So I was suppressing all my emotions. And when I found I got into issues where I wasn't selected or I was cut from a squad, I couldn't deal with it emotionally because I hadn't dealt with emotions along the way that I should have, of just little hiccups, just little things where I was like, no, deal with that later no you're stronger than that you you shouldn't be feeling that don't worry about it It became like a habit yeah it just became what my idea of strength was was to not feel anything and to not deal with what I was feeling and then it suddenly when I found that I wasn't loving my sport anymore it all bubbled up to the surface and I had to deal with it in one big go so I think there are a lot – and it comes back to that whole idea of of being knowledgeable and, and having perspective of the world. And also for young girls, understanding that there are a hundred million things and skills and people to talk to that can help you. Um, I, I saw a TED Talk the other day and the title of the TED Talk was uh, Isolation Kills Dreams, Not Bad Attitudes. And basically it was the idea that – your crappy attitude probably isn't going to kill your dream, but you isolating yourself and not putting the right people around you oh, and yeah. not talking to people is what's going to kill your dream. So that to me kind of really hit home. And, and like you've said about surrounding yourself, you know, with the team at 180 and Definitely. the books that you read and the people that you talk to, it it all builds you and puts you in the right direction of being a better person, being a better human. And, yeah, I, I just think for young girls it's it's understanding that you it's – best to deal with your emotions at the time that you're feeling them but also understand that there are so many people there are so many um, skills and so many tools that you can use along the way to to help you get there definitely that that resonates with me so much I I literally just finished uh, reading a book it's called loneliness by Dr Vivek Murthy and it's purely based on if you you have three different um, sort of soul fulfillments in your life and they're relational. You've got your intimate relationship, your social relationship, but then you've got your aspirational one, mm. and it's those people. And if 
if you don't have those people around you, you will have a feeling of loneliness and that isolation. Even though you'll have an incredible relationship, even though you've got great friends, you'll still feel like something in your life is missing Mm. unless you have those goals, dreams, and you have those people who are constantly like going for it, saying like, what do you need from me? How can we help? Um, Making you accountable, you know, and yeah, it just, that makes so much sense to me. Um, anything else you want to add in? No, any other gosh, lessons? <laughs> so many lessons. Know. So many lessons. Stretch. That's the only <laughs> other thing that I have to say to young girls. <laughs> Stretch. Because oh, I yeah. never did it when I was younger and I can't even touch my toes yeah. now, so... Stretch and drink water. I feel like when I, I'm um, taking the kids to the, the warm-ups at school, you know, I'm like, do you, do you feel it? Like, and they're just like, no, I don't feel anything. And you're just like, okay, just me. Bubbing away. Yeah. Oh, bloody running up Burley Hill Mountain. Oh, yeah. You should have told that story. <laughs> That's a good one. Talking of bodies failing. Oh, my gosh. There were so many girls struggling on that that journey, though. Thanks to Steve, mm. I'm gonna make. But there was definitely one who was struggling the most. She was at the back. For anyone that just wants a quick quick glimpse into our, our pre-season training for sevens, we did two rounds of Burley Hill. We we didn't know we were doing two rounds. We did one and uh, acted like Rocky Balboa, finishing strong as a full team, really like getting around the group. And then we go back to our strength and conditioner. He's like, "Okay, five minutes, and you're doing it again, and you've." got to beat your time and you just it was the funniest most grueling experience for some and <laughs> we lost a few on the way what <laughs> what morgan isn't mentioning is that on the home stretch <laughs> there was one battler right at the back her name was kiri who was honestly about ready to uh. enter the stairs of heaven <laughs> And she would not have got through if it wasn't for Morgan running behind oh her, God. pushing her along. I don't know what I Giving said. her affirmations, <laughs> telling her she was worth it. I was like, you're like the best player I've ever seen. I've you're never like, seen someone it. work so hard. One foot in front of the other. You've We're almost this. there. You've got, I believe in you. You're worth it. And here I am out of breath. Like, Thank you, Morgan. I'm, I know I'm worth yeah, it. Yeah, I am worth it. I'm going to cross this bridge. <laughs> Yeah, I'm but gonna, <laughs> I'm going to tag Steve in this podcast so he can listen to the end of this about how he made me feel that day. Oh but. my gosh. He actually, he's been helping me out so much. He's such a great person with my injury. All right, I've got three more questions. So I do this with all my interviews because Glenn, who's my mentor, gave me these 52 unique conversation creator cards oh. and I love them and they're really interesting and it's sort of you know, these, these are my people and this is the stuff they ask me. So when you hang around those close friends who are meant to sort of help you with your aspirations and dreams, find people who will challenge you. That's my biggest lesson because I come in here and they're like, what book are you reading at the moment? And when I first started coming in, I was like, book, what? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> and so now, you know, the, there's a bookcase in here and I'm completely um, mesmerised by half of the things I read. And to be able to come in here and know that people have read them too and be like, whoa, my mind's blown. <laughs> you know, the conversations and the knowledge that I guess we're gaining, which relates back to the reason why you need people around you is just incredible. Mm. Um, so I'm going to ask you a few questions. All right, first one. What did you improve today? Ooh. Well, I went to work, but 
Hopefully my boss didn't, doesn't hear this because I sneakily did some of my <laughs> honours research while I was there. No, I, um, I, I did read a quick article um, around about lunchtime. So um, to me, it, 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 any spare moment that I have at the moment, um, any block of time that I can put away is going towards my honours. So at lunchtime I will. I would, I'll just read a quick article, see if there's something new about it that I can, can take and put into my thesis or into the assignment that I'm doing. So, yeah, it, it was just a very minor step but a step forward in uh, my research. I'm trying to get the girls at school to be aware that it's school is not uni. They keep thinking it's like similar and I'm like, you get you get to actually focus on things you love, mm. you know, and they haven't got that concept yet. So it's that's a really tough battle but that just I don't know why that popped into my head I apologize <laughs> the university that can be a whole other podcast that yeah, one definitely all right what was your best mistake today best mistake today oh I know um I didn't get the washing off the line in time I oh the rain yeah <laughs> fall down with the rain <laughs> for about 15 minutes uh, and and I had time to get I, I got home and I was like oh washing I was like, oh, I'll come back to that. Ten minutes later, pour down with rain. I was like, well, <laughs> there goes my chance. <laughs> and last one, what is not being taught in schools that you think should be? Oh, gosh. I don't even know where to start on this one. But I will – I'll probably go a bit left field and I will say uh, taxes and home loans. It would have been really great if we could have really focused on that because – I'm 27 and I've got no idea yeah. about it. <laughs> I think they do They do one now. They do one assessment for it. But only if you're in that um, oh, if you do really like a low class or maths. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. but then the kids, you know, they don't, they don't want a bar of it because <laughs> they only touch it once. And they're like, oh, I've got to do this. Actually, what were they doing the other day? They had to do a budget for a, like a oh, home yeah. loan. And then the other one they were doing was um, building a – building a garden from Bunnings <laughs> I was they're like oh something to do with measurements and I was like this is like the coolest assessment ever and they were just like yeah I don't get it oh, oh it's so <laughs> people are like oh yeah the interest rate's really low at the moment I'm like mm, yeah that's <laughs> interesting you're talking about houses yeah. <laughs> not interested <laughs> well thank you for coming on the show no my pleasure I loved it all right well you're gonna definitely come on again hopefully it'd be cool to get you and Varney and a few of the other girls in to have yeah it's like a group yeah I feel like the last group chat we had uh really worked nicely with Tay and Anna because it was just sort of everyone bouncing off each other mm, yeah. it's really nice so I really appreciate your time and I will talk to you soon thanks Morgs You've been listening to the Challenge Her podcast with Morgan Tioka. Follow, rate and share to help empower and educate young women.